Weirdo bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, genre junkies. It's Sandra. And this is Scott. We got Stitches here, too. Hello. Stitches says thank you to everybody who gave her some well wishes um, a few weeks ago when she was sick, and she's all better now. She seems to be doing much, much better. Yeah, she had to have her medicine, and now she's all all good just here overseeing the podcast per usual. Hey, you know who else was sick? That would be Scott. Yeah, <laughs> That's why this episode is a week late. I, it was it was real bad, y'all. It was really, like, I had no voice. I had no energy. It was really unfortunate. Yeah, like a massive, insane ear infection, like, kind of out of nowhere. But yeah, and then, like, he had no voice, and it was just, it was a whole thing. So, you know, sometimes the start of the year can be a little rough. This yes. is one of those times. This is one of those times. January was a long year, but we got through <laughs> it. Um, and yeah, we've been a little remiss in like our social media posting and like telling everybody what's coming up. So we we're gonna get better at that again. But I can tell you right now, after this book, we're doing a um some women in horror stuff for February, which is very, very exciting. We're doing a compilation called Strange Women, and that was um kind of mostly composed by Azura Knox. And that's gonna be a fun little horror short story collection by I think they're all women authors, or at least um uh, mostly, I don't know. I think they're all women authors, though. I believe they are, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that'll be fantastic. And then um, after that, we have the Babysitter's Coven. And that's going to be a crossover event with one of my other shows, The Spooky Slumber Party. There's going to be so many of us. Yes. And then we also, um, over at The Cold Show, another one of my shows, we're doing some Women in Horror Month stuff, too. So there's just, there's so much, so much awesomeness for women in horror and you know the genre junkies we like to participate so because i am a woman in horror and i am married to a woman in horror (laughs) he lives a pretty horrifying life so tonight we're talking about science fiction science fiction um pretty hardcore science fiction uh a novel called sleeping giants this is the first of a trilogy from the famous files and it's written by sylvan newville uh who is Well, this whole trilogy, I should say, is really popular. It's been read by many, many, many people. It is a pretty well-regarded, pretty well-loved science fiction trilogy. Um, Not old or anything, but of like kind of recent sci-fi stuff. And... It is uh, told through a series of interviews. It's one of those. It's a non-traditional format. It's uh, similar in some respects to World War Z. Yeah, only yeah, 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 kind of from one perspective in a in a way. Well, it's not from one perspective. No, but it's 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 more because um, all the characters get interviewed, and this is like their interviews. Yes, it, it's definitely about multiple characters, but it, it's compiled from one perspective whereas world war z reads more like a um like a like a smattering of different stories right and this is actually like in the blurb it's like if you're a fan of michael Crichton, world war z and the martian uh (laughs) then you'll like this so that's um that's pretty exciting stuff and one of the reasons this caught my eye this series has been on my radar for a long long time and i've always thought scott would 
enjoy this. But especially once I saw that blurb, and those are like a few of his favorite things right there, I was like, okay, I think we gotta try this. So I'm gonna read you guys the description. Again, this is Sleeping Giants, book one of the Themis Files. A girl named Rose is riding her new bike near her home in Deadwood, South Dakota, when she falls through the earth. She wakes up at the bottom of a square hole, its walls glowing with intricate carvings. But the firemen who come to save her peer down upon something even stranger, a little girl in the palm of a giant metal hand. Seventeen years later, the mystery of the bizarre artifact remains unsolved. Its origins, architects, and purpose unknown. Its carbon dating defies belief. Military reports are redacted. Theories are floated, then rejected. But some can never stop searching for answers. Rose Franklin is now a highly trained physicist leading a top secret team to crack the hands code and along with her colleagues she is being interviewed by a nameless interrogator whose power and purview are as enigmatic as the provenance of the relic what is clear is that rose and her compatriots are on the edge of unraveling history's most perplexing discovery and figuring out what it portends for humanity but once the pieces of the puzzle are in place will the result prove to be an instrument of lasting peace or a weapon of mass destruction so it's interesting that the it doesn't really go into a lot of details on what the hand is. So I guess we should be careful with our non-spoiler section discussing what what the hand leads to. Yeah. Okay. So we'll kind of dance around that. I think from the description, like, you you kind of get something. A giant metal hand. Yeah. But we'll we'll keep it vague. So first of all, um, one of our friends, one of my really good friends, Molly, is from South Dakota. So, hey, South Dakota, Isn't what's she up? from Deadwood? Yes, she specifically? is. Specifically? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, awesome. Uh, I wonder if all of all y'all in South Dakota are big fans of this book, especially around that area. Um, so yeah, so let's just kind of right off the bat talk about our our scores on this. Yeah. So I felt I found this book to be a good read. I really enjoyed it. Um, I... I found myself coming back to it um, fairly easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't a, a page turner. It wasn't something I just absolutely couldn't put it down. But I really enjoyed the writing and the 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 decision that was made in in, in the styling of the book. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. So here's the thing. Um, I'm I'm in good read too, but um, I would say there was parts of it that were page turner. Um, I wouldn't say it was just a solidly good read. I would say it, it's kind of in between those two. Um, yeah, of course, you're going to like certain people's perspectives more than other people's. That does happen in any sort of like multi-perspective book. Um, but there is some just really cool things about how this book was written. So that's going to be kind of my, my my launching, my launching into that, if you don't mind. Launch away. Launch away. So- Blast off. <laughs> So, as we mentioned, this book is told through like a series of interviews. And it's really interesting because we've had lengthy discussions on this show about how Scott and I are really character-driven readers. Mm-hmm. And I was very nervous. Like, how is this going to be character-driven when it's kind of uh, almost exposition? And like, how is this all going to work? And like, with the plot? And for this being a not traditionally character-driven 
narrative, you still get a lot of character stuff and really distinctive voices in your characters and kind of an interesting intimacy with them and insight into them, um, but also just a lot of cool plot stuff. And I think that in the hands of a less skilled writer, this entire structure would have been horrible. So this is, I really commend Nuval for his style and his execution. Well, what the author does to bring you the characters and actually bring you that that feeling of them into the story is it's actually two different types well it's there there's there's three different types of um expositional story types in the book there's the classic interview between the project leader and these different characters Mm -hmm. there's confessionals that are basically transcriptions of things that the characters are putting into their own personal diaries yeah and then there's also um expositional reports that are written by um organizations about what has happened and that's and that's the part that's a little bit drier just to give you some setting mm-hmm. but the combination of both the confessional and the interview does a really good job of of bringing you into the the struggles and the the personal thoughts of the characters mm-hmm. um i think that's a really really good way of putting it so um i was overall very pleased with the characters and the development of this. Of course, the story and the mystery of what they're unraveling and, you know, these this absolutely insane scientific discovery that is rewriting humankind and has these far-reaching, oh, just huge concept things that are being, you know, put on humanity and making us change as a culture and making religions have to adapt to this artifact and, and so, so much. Um, it's interesting that some of the characters' voices were still just really... Um, Gosh, I can't think of a great word for it, but just you did feel a connection and it felt humble even with all this like really big stuff going on. I wasn't crazy about one male character's perspective, which is actually not a huge one in the book. Um, And I didn't really care for him. And that was the... I mean, the character's not super likable, but he was the only one that I, I at times felt that it was a little male gazy. I know what character you're talking about, and he is not a great character. In, yeah. But at the same time, from a male perspective, he is somewhat relatable. And okay. so I, I I totally don't I don't disagree at all that he's not like a like a like a fabulous character, but at the same he's time He's not supposed to yeah. be yeah. But but at the same time, he's not he's not gross. He's not No, he's evil. not like lecherous. And he is he is somewhat relatable from a male perspective. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, he was the only one that um like I, that kind of took me out of the story at times and made me roll my eyes and be like, you know, ugh, like just kind of ugh that sound, and again the rolling of the eyes. You could pro- you could probably hear my eyes rolling from space during some of the things this character said. But there's um other male perspective that did not do that, and I really enjoyed the female characters in this book. I really enjoyed how Rose and Kara are like super different, and you can tell when you're reading it. Those are two main female perspectives we get, and that was really cool because they have their own way of talking and thinking and. Reading reacting and it didn't it didn't feel copy paste or anything like that you agree i do agree i I like the female perspective in this book probably more than 
any male except for possibly the project director. Although yeah. I'm not sure. Do they? Do, is it? Is it explicitly stated that the project director is male? Yes. Okay. Um, he is my favorite character, the interrogator. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. Oh, I love him. He is so funny and so ambiguous and so true to his motives and you love him and you hate him and he's funny uh he's my favorite for sure he's he's kind of a actually here's a fun game who would you cast as the project director who did you visualize as the project director um i don't know if i really have like a a person person but it would be like white cisgendered um like early 60s male so anthony cox sure i i, I yeah. absolutely saw anthony cox very nondescript role. white dude who works for the government but has a lot going on under the surface yeah. <laughs> um i would say this is as far as appeal i would say this is pretty mass appeal this book I don't know if I'll join you on that, but I'm curious why you feel that way. Um, I think that it's, you know, we kind of find like niches and pockets in genres. And I feel like this is a really cool concept. Um, And it's one of those where it's like, if you're new to sci-fi, it's not super intimidating and you don't feel stupid because some of the characters um, in the book are not scientists. <laughs> and so like they have to put things in like really layman's terms, which I appreciate because when things get too sciencey, sciencey, uh, mumboey, jumboey words, I-, I get, you know, turned off. But at the same time, if you've read a lot of science fiction, this is still, this is still going to be something kind of novel. And I think the interesting perspective um, would get a lot of readers who read any type of genre, any type of fiction to be like, oh, this is kind of different way to tell a story. I agree with you that this is incredibly approachable science fiction. Yeah. And, and, for, and you know, for that for that reason, I, I think it appeals to a much broader audience, uh, which is why I'm going to give it a broad appeal. Uh, the concept itself is very common within a niche uh, it's not a unique idea, and it takes no, not totally, yeah, oh no. yeah, and it takes that idea and and broadens it and and makes it more approachable. But there's a specificity to what is happening and why it's happening that's missing from the book that I feel still keeps it in a range that is not going to be wild, widely accepted by the masses. Mm, interesting, interesting. I guess everybody's just gonna have to read for themselves and see what they think. Yeah, um, I think we've got to go to the spoilers so we can talk about this artifact and get down get down to it get down to business all right we'll see you all in the spoiler section enjoying the show please like and subscribe on itunes you can find us on twitter and instagram at genre junkies and don't forget to visit the website genrejunkies.com Welcome back to the spoiler section. This is Sandra, and I want I want to tell you something about our friend Scott here. Scott loves mechs. I love. I f- he f- 
fucking loves. I don't know uh, why I just swore on this show. I know, and then I had to do it again. I'm going to have to edit it up myself. I, I, no. Bleep yourself. Yeah, bleep. Don't edit it, because that oh, love that's what is I mean. passion. That's, oh, no, I'll bleep it. He is passionate, <laughs> you guys, because not only does Scott just love a giant robot any day of the week, but when people are inside piloting it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think especially a tandem pilot situation. That's a newer concept. But this becomes just catnip for Scott. Yeah. Catnip. And I, I love, oh, God, don't get me wrong. I love mechs. I love giant robots. I'm all about this life. But I was just like, oh, this is so, like, Scott, like, porn right now. This is, okay, so this is what I really appreciated about this book. And, and, and I wanted to talk about this in the spoiler-free section, but I just, after after we read that description again, I didn't feel yeah. right doing it. This book is Neon Genesis Evangelion meets Pacific Rim. Uh, but written in a style that is that is more World War Z. I mm. appreciate that. It's interesting because a lot of these concepts for someone who's coming at this who is a big fan of mech fiction, uh-huh. there is not a lot of originality to the story or to the setting. Sure, sure. Uh, there's a lot of very, you know, very, very um, oft done themes in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. What is unique is the style that, in which that it's written. And I really did enjoy it. Um, I, I, I just, I love Max. <laughs> he loves them. He really loves them. He really does. Um, is this kind of, kind of Gundam-y too? Not really. Okay. Um, Gundam. I'm not familiar with Gundam. So how about how about um, Lego Ninjago? No, no. <laughs> What's the other one? N- N- Lego uh, Exoforce. Yes. Yes. So Exoforce and okay, we'll go into this. Exoforce. Yeah, why don't you talk to us about Gundam Mechs a little bit? Is is a is the man made uh, war machine style of Mechs where. The, uh, the military or an independent organization has created robots in order to fight in wars. And there are pilots who are oftentimes uh, have conflicted emotions about being pilots of these mechs. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they're doing exactly. to society. And then the other side is these mechs were created by someone else, I, typically aliens. Uh, or in the case of Neon, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, spoiler alert are aliens uh-huh and this falls into that category much more right uh, it does not appear that these were made by humans these were made by a by an alien race oh definitely we even got a whole story about it and their motives are still not quite unclear there's questions there is a there's a legend that he tells about how they were there to protect us originally and they were left behind but it's not actually clear that that is really why it's there oh I took that to be pretty clear oh I've read too much mech fiction to take that for face value okay I took not that tri- in- on the first book of a trilogy i i mean well obviously there's gonna be more to uncover yes because we know now for absolute certainty we are not alone in the universe <laughs> so obviously and we're uh as the guy kind of says in his second meeting with the interrogator <laughs> well you kind of maybe got on their radar a little bit now yeah so you can expect a visit i'm thinking i think mom and dad are gonna come home um the the idea in the book of how they find these and how they're activated which is from oh, the, yeah. the side the side effects of nuclear study yes. is really genius that was really cool and that was again some of that as i said <laughs> mumbly jumbly <laughs> 
language that um, intimidates me. But it was at the same time I was like, okay, okay, I'm with you. I'm understanding. I don't feel stupid. I get what we're saying. This is cool. I feel like there's a. this is one of those science fiction books where there are little things of, of real, slightly deeper science in there for the people in the know to go, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. But it doesn't really, but, but doesn't, you don't, you're not, that knowledge is not required of you. No, but okay, Mr. Mr. Mech snob over here. Have you ever had one where the leg pilot had to have little goat knees? That's a new one. Um, <laughs> that is a new one. And that was not expected. <laughs> I love that whole little side trip down mad science and that whole with the, the guy going to perform it and all of this. That was like one of the most page turny parts of the book for me because it was like, this is insanity. I mean, there are there are mech stories where the pilot does have to go through usually quite a, a mental transformation, oh, yes. if not physical. That has a physical toll on the body. This is the first one where where the pilot unknowingly but willingly undergoes a medical a, 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 a medical transformation mm-hmm. to change his biology completely so that his knees bend backwards. I mean, he didn't really have anything to lose. No. Um, I mean, I guess he could have died, maybe. They weren't going to let him die, though. But anyway, Vincent, I like. It's Ryan, in case you couldn't tell. no, absolutely. Who annoyed me. Um, And I'm glad that his storyline comes around to a redemptive arc. And I was really rooting for him in those moments when they go to save Kara and everything. I I was totally fine with all of that. But yeah, he just, ugh, he just annoyed annoyed the bejesus out of me. I really like Vincent. I thought he was very funny and very interesting. It's funny you say that because I I thought Vincent was fine. He didn't offend me at all, but I never really found him interesting. Oh, really? I didn't find anything about his character that really drew me in. In fact, I don't really like the two of them together at all. But, you know. I I do because they're so different. I appreciate that. Yeah. I just... he. There, there's there's things about him that comes off as as fairly cold to me and yes yes and, and a little bit disconnected which I don't really love in my you know male romantic leads and Your that's male just OTPs. me yeah and that's just me that's fine yeah I, I, really I identified liked- more with Ryan even though he is kind of a dick <laughs> um well, like I said, I really liked Kara and I really liked Dr. Rose. Um, but the thing that I liked about Vincent and Kara together is that they were so different. And I like that, um, you know, she trained him because she's the one that, you know, has been in the military and has like this athletic training. And it's like, yeah, you're a super genius, but um, she's got to like get him into the physical shape. The power dynamic is refreshing. Yeah, definitely refreshing. And um, I, I admired his determination to get on this level. Um, I, I found it like, yeah, come on, little Vincent, you keep going, you keep going, man. I, I really appreciate that and that he was so like game with like bending his legs back and then you know after Denver when it's like okay well he's got a real long beard now and he just paints models and uh, <laughs> makes them and the interrogator's like yeah it's impressive but then when he says <laughs> no, you, you you don't understand I in all of this stuff he's been doing on his retreat was to make him be better and worthy of this project that was really, really cool character stuff. And it was like, 
when he reveals that, it's like a sentence. And it's like, wow, a whole lot of insight into this man's mind just like summed up in like a few words. Like if you blink or you weren't being an astute reader, you could have missed it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love that all of them are so dedicated and obsessed with this project because how could you not be? Oh, it's it's one of a kind. It's otherworldly. And of course, I love the moral questions that they're forced to face and that, you know, we as the reader and the interrogator and the members of the government and everything are like, okay, um, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. <laughs> but what if those eggs are human lives? Very, like you said, a lot of the time the mech fiction gets into like some like psychological stuff and some like morality things. Very much. Uh, and, and I feel like the story is going more towards the direction of, especially in the second book, I feel like it's going to be more psychological based. Like what are the, what are the psychological problems that come along with holding this kind of power and being responsible for this kind of power and being the only ones who can use that power? Oh yeah, I have a part highlighted here and this had to have been from Rose. I've been giving a lot of thought to Oppenheimer and the Manhattan Project these past few days. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of the same thing of like, okay, so not only do we now know that basically we're not alone in the universe, we're not even sort of the most intelligent things in the universe. Something is kind of keeping tabs on us and we're part of a narrative that we have no written history and a shaky oral history of at best yeah and how do we all fit into this and what are going to be the repercussions of our science has advanced us to this point where we can find the robot build it get into the thing and now it's like okay this is huge like and the book kind of builds towards that in all its ways that's like this is us as earth coming together and it can't be about you know ethnicity or language or politics or borders no this is us as a planet and i really appreciate that um that planet centric (laughs) message Mm -hmm. that spoke to my heart a lot because i'm a huge fan of earth totally my favorite planet it's the best. It's the easiest one to terraform. <laughs> um, that wasn't going to be like on my list of why it's my favorite planet. But, you know, that's that's good, too. Um, we should probably start terraforming Earth before we go to Mars. Oh, my Lord. Um, love that the robot's a, a female. Yes. I'm curious. Did you read the snippet from book two at the end of this book? I didn't. I did not. I I restrained myself. I read his acknowledgments. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to stop there because I... Let me just put it this way. I, I need to know how this trilogy ends. Yeah. We'll be reading these books. Yeah. yeah. Um, why? What did you... Why? What What happened in the snippet? Uh, the, the, the very begin. The very first thing that happens in the snippet for the second book is suddenly a male robot appears. <gasps> no. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Where's he come from? Don't know. How does he just appear? He literally just appears. Oh my god. Like in the middle of London, I think it is. Ah! Just just all of a sudden he's there. There's some stuff, and this is all theorizing now, because again, um, we've not read the other two books yet. But let's just use that as a launching point to talk about Rose. 
Yeah, there's some. I, I think Rose is back. Rose is back, but she doesn't remember anything that happened from her starting the project. There's kind of a fourth dimension. What's happening kind here? Of thing here, where I mean, I don't know if maybe. I feel like, you know, when I first read, I was like, okay, is she some sort of clone? Was she mm-hmm. abducted and then replaced? Mm-hmm. But I'm getting more, more of a, more of a, um, being, mis- being placed outside of time and then coming back kind of a vibe. Almost like for her safety. Yes. Was removed. That's and kind put of put back. Yeah. That's kind of the, that's kind of the, 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 the feel that I'm getting. Yes. I, I, and ultimately, I feel, I, I think that that's the, if I had a complaint about this book, it's that it really did feel like a whole lot of setup for ideas and questions that there that that's going to be get, gotten into in the second and the third book. That's a first in a series, and that's though. fine. Yeah, it's just in and. I think that this goes towards it being more of a broad to mass appeal book uh-huh. where a lot of the a lot of the ideas that are introduced in this book are ones that are very well known to those of us who are into mechs and mech mm-hmm. stories where now it f- I feel like it's going to go into more of a unique direction. Right. It definitely got me hooked, uh, but I'm ex- I'm excited for more original ideas in the second and the third book. Um. Yeah. So I think we're kind of on the same page, especially where Rose is concerned. See, my thing is I love first books in the series, and I love being peppered with questions and confusion and ambiguity. It's very exciting for me, and I'm totally fine with just keep my my brain not knowing what's going on and throw all the questions at me. Um, but I think you and I are on the same page. Something about Rose here um, for her protection maybe was removed. But at the same time, I think she's going to get those memories back. I think it's, again, you know, just because we are humans, maybe that technology of moving through space-time still has some kinks to be ironed out. <laughs> our, our brains aren't quite where they should be. Uh, speaking of which, well, you know, we d- we don't know all the story of the oral history, but I loved those scenes in the Chinese restaurant. Yes. Uh, okay. What was that character's name? Uh, he said call him Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns, yeah. Because he has like a burn face. Yeah. I-, I pictured Alfred Molina, by the way. Oh, oh, sure, I sure. I don't know why. Just They, yeah. they kind of describe him like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. I- it's it's refreshing to have this character of the project director who is seemingly all-knowing in all places at once. And here's this character who comes along who's just yeah uh, completely just throws him for a loop and throws him on the back foot. It's yeah. just really nice to see. Yeah, he's five steps ahead. As he says, he plans for every eventuality but there is no way he or us uh, by proxy as the reader could have been prepared for that occurrence and story i i think that i think that this gentleman is part of some sort of um kind of cult cult secret society yeah he's um we're kind of being led to believe that perhaps he's one of those descendants yes that and that you know he's got some alien blood in him and that's been like kind of passed down this way which so does kara well right um, and yeah anybody that can pilot it uh but yeah but like where they've really um they never lost the through line of the story and whatnot. Um, speaking of the interrogator who we love so much, um, it's always really nice. Like you see him being this absolute 
sociopathic asshole, but then he also has a heart. And I found that so wonderful that he has different layers to him like that. Um, I love a character that's really, really complicated and not good or bad, but, you know, he's just all about this mission. And my favorite kind of Sherlock Holmesian, like, as he's going through and being so far ahead of everybody is the end of the book, talking about Dr. Pompantonio and how they've basically set this woman up. Oh, oh my God. Where she's just, she's going to live the rest of her life in prison, basically. Yeah. Well, because she, she's, not, she's, talk about a sociopath. She, she just wins power so badly. Almost more megalomaniac, maybe. I don't even get the, I, I don't, I don't even get the, the feeling that she, it's the power that she wants. She just wants the knowledge. She wants the, the progress. Hmm. And she, but she just, wants like the credit. And she doesn't see, she doesn't see people as people. I no, mean, and she doesn't when she describes about advice. puppies, like that was his big, you know, when he talk, when she talks about doing experiments on puppies, that was his realization. It's like, insane. like, like literally puppies, like yeah. you had to use puppies as the example. Okay. We're, yeah. we're going to get rid of you. And even though he is so calculating, he's like, you are not the right type of person to have this calculating mind. He's compartmentalized, but he's still human. Yeah. And that comes through in 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 a few points of and, the story and you can tell how much he really loves Kara. yes and like yeah he's just really like um they have a kindredness to them in a way and they have some great banter uh between the two of them but um <laughs> oh so so good I really, I really think I'm going to be happy with the rest of this trilogy. I was certainly very, very happy with the first book. Should we give it a... Let's give it our, our final score. I'm going to give this book four robot hands out of five. Okay. Uh, for all the reasons we've been talking about. I think it's smart. It's clever. It took me by surprise how much I liked it and how easy it was for me to get into the non-traditional storytelling and how pleasantly surprised at how much um character stuff i was able to absorb and just like this really really cool world that is our world and it just expanded and it, it just blows my mind because this is the type of stuff i hope is true i'm going to give this three robot hands out of five i think it's a really good introduction to the mech world and the mech mech ideas um i think that there's some there's a lot of originality when it comes to the writing style um but not a lot of originality when it comes to the ideas that are presented when you look at it from a mech perspective so i guess you have to have a little bit of a, a harsher grade because you're the mech expert i do um, i'm scoring it as someone who is familiar with mechs i think it's a three out of five and i think that that's a great score yes, I, I, I really do um it, it just so happens we don't review very many books that that we would score under a three but this you know three is a very good score especially for this and i feel like I, I have this i have this suspicion that the rest of the series is just going to be going you know going up from here and i'm very excited for it and i'm here for it this was a book that required a setup a little bit of a world building sort of situation and it did that with a plum a plum
That's a great word. A plum. Not a plum. Not which a are plum. Deli- which a are plum. delicious. Yes. A plum. A plum. It's a it's really fun. Now it's stuck in my head. You know how words get stuck in your head? Yeah. Plum, a plum, a plum. Stitches is looking at me like I've lost my my plum mind. All right, everybody. We're gonna take a tiny little break from the world of sci-fi to get into the world of women in horror. But I know y'all are just down for that. It's oh, gonna yeah. be a good time. All times. Yeah. Scott, thank you for weighing in um with your mech critic. Uh, you, you're welcome. Thank you, Sandra, for it's, discovering this series oh. and bringing it to it, because I am very happy that I've read it. Yeah. All right, everybody, please keep reading past your bedtime. 